the diamond I The Empathy Museum presents A Mile in My Shoes. These are men's size 10 black Nike trainers, internationalist. That's the name of them. There's a little label on the front. They're suede on the top with a little bit of black mesh. They've got the Nike swoosh on the side. Underneath the sole is, it's all black and then it's got these little black squares. I think they'd make a very good print in the rain. These shoes belong to Craig Hollywood. This is his story. The idea of short back and sidewalks came about from a situation that we wanted to help another individual. So myself being the founder and the guys from the barber shop, we, uh, we all met together and uh, found out that we wanted to do a nice thing for another person. Each of us had our own sort of individual story to tell that surrounded alcoholism or drug abuse or mental health issues in our own families and I think that we found out very early on that that would be the catalyst for the Short Back and Sidewalks programme. My name is Craig Hollywood, I'm a DJ, I present a radio show, I work in civil engineering and I've recently started a project which is a not-for-profit charity giving people who are homeless the ability to have a haircut free of charge and free of judgement. Spending my childhood in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, it's a place that's quite rough and tough and, you know, it's quite bleak at times and unfortunately there is a lot of problems on the streets and especially coming from the area where, where I do come from, which is a place called Anderson, which is right outside, the, just outside the city centre. There's a, a lot of poverty and people who are experiencing problems with alcoholism and you know, broken families and things like that. And one thing that I do always say is the fact that I never really did come from that particular background. I was lucky enough to have an extremely loving family growing up, but unfortunately, you know, it was, it wasn't, you didn't have to travel that far before you actually seen the examples of, of drug abuse or alcohol abuse. It's such a simple thing, having a haircut, walking down to pay your money, sitting down in the chair, and you always have that experience that you get treated a little bit differently, and the, the ability for someone to walk into a hairdressing salon or a barber shop and be made a little bit of a fuss of is something that, you know, we do take for granted, and unfortunately with people who are living on the streets or living in a situation where every single penny that they have has got to go towards either food or maintaining some shelter or something like that, a haircut or your personal appearance kind of goes to right to the very back of the line. So we kind of thought that if we were able to give people who don't have that opportunity as much the opportunity to sit there and have a chat and be given a coffee or a sandwich or even just to be spoken to, like we thought that that would just be something that would be a, a great catalyst for possible change. And the first person that we cut ever, a man called Godfrey, we rocked up to cut hair in a, in a car park and there was a guy already sort of sitting there waiting for his waiting to have his hair cut and because we'd never done it before we felt a little bit apprehensive about going up to someone and saying are you here for the haircuts because they might not have been there for you know they might have been waiting for their wives in a in a shop or they might have been standing waiting for a coffee or but uh, luckily enough Godfrey did come up to us and say oh I've uh, I've traveled 35 k's to come down to get my haircut and we all kind of looked at each other and that's when we turned around and went, 
this is actually happening. This is real, you know. And yeah, the person who had come in particular was a guy who had previously had a really successful business with a family and unfortunately now finds himself without that, without the business, without the family, living in uh, bushland up somewhere in Wanneroo outside of Perth. Uh, but we knew that if someone was willing to travel that far, and, you know, 35 k's to get your hair cut really does signify that how important it is to people. And, you know, we realised even before we'd even taken the scissors out that this is something that is really going to make a big, big difference to someone. I think I'm just kind of this, maybe this eternal kind of pessimist in relation to are people going to come? And, you know, we've done all this work and we've let everyone know and we've got all the barbers together and we've set everything together and I think it's just one of those kind of situations where you know you have like a party and you invite everyone and an hour before you're sitting there and no one's there and you're going is anyone actually going to turn up you know and every time we do like a like a cutting event it's almost like it's like your birthday you know and then you sit there and people start coming and and and, you know it just makes makes all the difference and I think because we know that it's actually helping people I suppose a lot of people probably don't realise it's it's helping us in a great way for people just to come, you know. The transformation is completely unbelievable. We can see our clients coming into the salon, you know, looking down at the floor and, you know, not really making much eye contact with anyone, not really talking with anyone. And, And then slowly, maybe once their hair's been washed and once one of the guys has asked them a little bit about their day, and the transformation goes then from being in that situation to people starting to crack jokes and people starting to tell stories about the fact that they've got a twin brother or they used to live in Darwin or they you know used to be a successful fisherman or they're an artist and then the next thing people are then starting to check themselves out in the mirror and like run their hands through their hair and kind of got like a total swagger about their walk and and that's the thing and and that continues as well like because we've had feedback that when people have left the salon they've been caught like looking at themselves in the mirror of the elevator or when they've been going back to their accommodation or you know talking about the fact that you know look at me I've lost my mullet and you know I'm ready to take on the world sort of thing and you know that's the whole desired effect is what we wanted to have done. As children we were often confronted by people in general who were probably you know a bit off the beaten track as as you would say you know I can remember as a child all standing in the, in the playground and all the kids would be like, oh, look, 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 the drunkie's here. And, you know, and, and we'd all be like running over to this fence and sort of standing and looking at this old drunk man kind of staggering across the road. And I think the the contact, you know, it, it, it does happen from an extremely young age. And I think that's quite indicative of growing up in, in a place like Glasgow. One of the things that really does stick out for me in particular was something that my my dad told us when I was probably about four or five, and I still remember it, and he kind of said that no matter what anybody tells you about another person, just make sure that you make your own decision and you make your own mind up about someone because what's told to you by another person doesn't necessarily mean that that's the truth. So if you meet another person or if you meet a new person, then you you find out for yourself. We used to find ways to probably have fun that were unfortunately probably when I look back now I'm sitting there going well why the hell did we do that but you know I I remember like kind of very soon after that it it was maybe 15 or 16 or you know what I wanted to to really do was to listen to music and to meet girls and to 
to maybe have a beer or, or something like that. You know, like I didn't want to be having to run away from the cops or, you know, and unfortunately with a lot of our friends, it didn't stop for them and they ended up dying as from heroin overdoses and, uh, you know, unfortunately going to jail. And I remember like at, there was a, a point where I just said, I don't really want to be a part of that anymore. I started listening to music and I started playing guitar and, you know, that was something that was very, very important to me at that age because I would literally rather sit and play my guitar in my room than go out and cause trouble. And, you know, and I, I and eventually kind of that love of music and the intensity in, the, in which I appreciated it formed a, a little bit of a sort of bridge away from, from all that sort of thing. The house and techno music is a very big passion of mine and, you know, because it's huge in the UK, you know, electronic music, house music, techno music, is, it's like a religion and I hadn't done a DJ um, show until till I came to Australia and it was something that was weird because you're so used to just doing it in your own house and I was asked to play at like a big festival and I remember it, I was completely out of my depth and, you know, you're playing in front of like thousands of people and I remember just being in that particular situation and kind of going like I'm I'm completely not worthy to be here and and if I hadn't have been given that opportunity I probably wouldn't have been able to do half the stuff that I've done. From day one the Short Back and Sidewalks project itself has never set out to be a sob story and also to be a charity that promotes a sense of humour uh, as opposed to perhaps maybe like making people feel uncomfortable or depressed or down in the dumps so we always make a point of just treating people as if we would treat any other human being and when someone sits down it would be a case of how's your day going you know the opportunity for a person who's living on the streets to have a open quote normal conversation close quote is absolutely priceless and a lot of people I don't think from my experience of doing this don't really realize the the effect and also the simplicity in, in, in basically walking up to another human being and saying hi how you going Craig's story was produced by Mary Fattin. His shoes are part of a growing collection of footwear hosted by the Empathy Museum's A Mile in My Shoes exhibition. The shoes and stories come from all over the world. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to find out where we are going next.